That's the dumbest thing you've ever Googled, and I know you. Nothing in the tank. Is there cherries in Dr. Pepper? Because apparently I'm not the only one who thinks Dr. Pepper is predominantly cherry flavored. There's literally a cherry Dr. Pepper. I've told you this. Well, that's, that's weird. So in descending order, the predominant flavors... As guessed by strangers on the internet, is that the caveat you're going to preface this with? Based on the ingredients. The ingredients are like natural flavors and artificial flavors. Which one is more? (laughs) According to the internet, the predominant flavors, the 23 flavors, cola first, whatever cola is. Yeah, yeah, good. Okay. (laughs) Cherry, licorice, amaretto. And that turns, that's almond, vanilla, blackberry, apricot. Uh, uh, caramel. Licorice isn't a flavor either. Licorice is a flavor. No, licorice is based on like star anise, but beyond that, it's just sugar and like a little bit of clove. Like licorice is a conglomerate of flavors too. But it's got its own flavor that is unique to licorice. No, it's a combination. That's not, that's literally not unique at all. It's like if you mixed apple and orange, you're like, I made a new flavor. So it's got a different taste? Orable. (laughs) Am I, am I using the word flavor and taste interchangeably? There is no singular item that can give you, you know, the flavor of licorice. It's a, like you said, it's a combination of things, but licorice is its own distinct. Nothing else tastes like licorice. Here's the thing. If you said that it was made of 23 flavors and you just said licorice and licorice is made from two flavors, that's 24 flavors. The math is all wrong. <laughs> the math is all, all right. wrong. We need distinct flavors. We need not separable flavors. What if I told you there's more than 23 ingredients in Dr. Pepper and that's before you even count up the individual natural flavors that are in there well not every not every ingredient adds a flavor what flavor is water what flavor is sugar is sweet a flavor fucking me up with this is sweet a flavor or is it a sensation it's a taste a reaction is it a chemical reaction well there's a difference between taste and then there's also like when you eat something spicier you eat something with like mentholated and it makes your tongue feel cold or feel hot those aren't tastes. Those are feelings, which is weird. Anyway. Capsaicin. <laughs> spice isn't a flavor. It's a pain response. Mm-hmm. That's what pepper spray is made out of. It's just really strong capsaicin. Yeah. Your brain's like, this is wrong for you. <laughs> this is this is fire. We're feeling fire, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone freak out. If you continue doing this, you will, in fact, die. <laughs> Put down the salsa. Capsaicin Crusade Podcast. Capsaicin Crusade Podcast. It's been a couple of weeks because we're both busy bitches. I've had a crazy, crazy couple of weeks. You've had a crazy couple of weeks. Your brother got married. Yeah. And you were, you were in the wedding. Talk about obligations. It was kind of stressful, but I didn't have the most obligations. I was just sort of there to be a groomsman and sure. like hang out and sort of be there if not needed anything for, you know, make sure he ate, he drank water. He wasn't freaking out or anything. I think he did pretty good, though. Yeah, I mean, he, he certainly seemed, you know, pretty collected. And then, you know, he did the whole groom thing exceptionally well, running around, talking to everybody. And yeah, killed it. <laughs> what a pro. <laughs> I think it was also that helped him deal with some of his like nervous energy. Like he, w- he was talking later. We met with him the day after and he was saying, yeah, there's no way I'd be able to sit still and like actually eat anything or even drink anything. Like so he was just using that power to like motivate him to float around and talk to all the tables. But. Yeah, he was he was awesome. His little speech that he did, I'm like, God damn it. Nat, what a good public speaker. But he gave a speech? Yeah. Oh man. You left before the toast, didn't you? No, you Yeah. It was the toast before eating, or is it the toast after eating and before 
I left like after uh, Nathan Hale talked. I, I heard him talk. Yeah, that was like the first toast, I think. Yeah, we had quite the trek back down and I looked at the schedule and it was like send off is at like 945 and they're behind. I'm like, oh, shit, sir, we got to get going. <laughs> yeah, we ended up hitting that around a little after 10, but it was still it was a lot of fun. Really cool. I had some really choice musical choices that Nat made for the playlist. Oh, I'm sad I missed that, too. The punk goes pop for their little walk from the right. altar through the through the aisle. <laughs> I mentioned that to him, and I said, "Am I gonna am I gonna be able to mosh tonight? Am I gonna get a little like winds of play on the dance floor?" <laughs> no, he didn't do anything that hard. I think he ended with like a Fallout Boy song, and that was about as as like punk as it gets. That's fun. That's fun. I hear they're going to the Bahamas, so I gave him some shit. I said, "You know, close Jamaica is that the Bahamas? Not close. Uh, that that works. You're right. right. They're going to know. Sandals, Jamaica." And I said. Yeah. That's where Michael Scott went in the office. And Nick, I don't know if you've seen that episode, but Michael Scott goes with his boss and a little while later, a nude photo of his boss leaks of them on the beach together in Jamaica. And I said, I need you to go and recreate that photo, but I need I need you to be the one sunbathing. <laughs> so basically in a roundabout way, you asked Nat to send nudes. I Yes. Well, it was rather direct. It wasn't even, he knew exactly what I was implying. I quickly had to make sure I said, <laughs> I didn't want him, but there was a, not enough of a gap there to think I was asking his, new, you know, newly betrothed to send me unbecoming photos. So I said, no, 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 Nat, you, you will be the one sunbathing. No, I don't want to see your naked wife. I want to see you. Naked. Yes. <laughs> Say, listen, that's a wedding present for me. Okay. Yeah. So now it's all, that's all uh, over with and we're back to our normal lives. Hopefully fingers crossed. Knock on wood. We've missed a lot. A lot of actually like big things happened. So from my brain, I've pulled a few things out and I'm sure this is going to lead to other things that we think of. And so this is going to be a totally meandering. We're going to talk for like an hour. Uh, no more. Fire Emblem. You said you have not played much. Not too much more. Well, I want to say I put in like another 20 hours, but it's been a lot of idle time sort of just min-maxing and trying to figure out who I want what to be where and all that kind of stuff and looking at stat screens and browsing my phone you know stuck in a twitter hole while the the battle theme is playing so it gets stuck in your head (laughs) I'm on chapter 17 and some shit has happened and I regret picking the black eagles for a few reasons that we I can't really discuss without spoiling. I know you've had some stuff spoiled, but I don't want to contribute any further to that. I can say this. So I know that there are four paths in the game. Correct. And I am on the alternate path for the Black Eagles. Really? Yeah. Okay. So you went with Edelgard when she was like... No. Wait, what? Going with Edelgard is like the main path. No. Is it not? No, that's the... Um, going with Edelgard is the secret fourth path because you like run into her. Like, so... Because for me... I run into her at the end of one of my days, just randomly, like she's just hanging out and I'm like, Oh, I'll talk to her. I don't, and I, I quit talking to most people. Like if I didn't care about a relationship with them, I don't talk to them, but I saw her and I was like, Oh, I got to talk to her. It's literally the last thing I did that day. And it's like, Hey, I'm going off to the empire. Want to join me? And I'm like, yeah, fuck y'all yeah, join you. But then it was like, warning, this will drastically impact the story. And I was like, what? That's weird. So I looked it up. And I had some stuff spoiled for me, unfortunately. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to save this. And then I'm just going to continue the story as if I didn't talk to her on my day off. And I just continued the main story. And did that default you to the church path, I'm guessing? It defaulted me to the church path. And it does not give you another option. I thought the Edelgard path was chosen by more people. Yeah, it's just, no, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a real weird thing. Um, 
And I was like, okay, I'll tell you right now, I don't like either option. It's actually crazy to me, like talking to my brother who picked Dimitri's house, um, the deer, is that right? No, the blue lions. Dimitri is the blue lions. Yeah. Claude is the golden deer. Right. How drastically different each path is. Like it's legitimately four different games. After the time skip, it is totally different. Yeah, I believe that. It's pretty remarkable. So I'm like actually excited to go back and play the other three paths. And I'm, I'm over 70 hours in and I'm like, holy, can I do this? Can I play 350 hours of this game? I don't know. My only concern with even attempting to do that is besides trying to play other games is I spent so much time recruiting like my ultimate team and like getting everyone perfectly set up and like I've got their, I know what they're going to be when they're in their, you know, master class or whatever. And I don't want to do that if I'm playing through the other two or three storylines just for the story. Like I'd want to pop it down to like an, like it's already, I'm already playing on easy, easy basically. And I'd rather just like do auto battles and just like talk to people and get that story. Sure. But if I, I'm torn between that option and just playing through on like insane with, you know, permadeath and actually challenging myself because this has been like really, really easy and you can't change the difficulty on the fly, which is a bummer. A lot of games let you do that nowadays. I wish they would have had that option because I didn't know how difficult it was going to be starting out. So I thought the first half of the game was really, really easy. The second half of the game has been, it's been like a significantly uncomfortable leap in, in difficulty. Okay, that's good because this it's like, I keep playing as if it's hard and it's taking me to like forever to finish battles, but then it's like turn count two and I spent half an hour doing that. Like I need to turn off battle animations and just like move my characters dumbly and just use my divine pulse more often because I'm never going to finish the game at this rate. Sure. Yeah. That's what I finally started doing. I turned off all the animations and I'm just trying to be as strategic as possible and be quick about it. But for me on my path, I lost, I lost my most powerful characters which you did not. And I think you actually gained a couple of powerful characters from my understanding, which is cool. I've recruited all the girls and most of the staff. Is the Death Knight playable for you? No. I was wondering if that was a thing. Yeah, I lost I lost my most powerful characters and I was like that was a significant blow to my party. And I had to I had like knowing the time skip was right around the corner, I had to go and like I could I mean, cuz I didn't spend any time on recruiting people. I didn't I was like, "Ah, whatever, like I'm just going to kind of rock it." Well, then I lost my two most powerful people outside of myself. And I'm like, fuck, I got to go. So I tried to just recruit anyone I could. And then I spent, I played like, I'm trying to think. I did like six weeks this weekend four or five weeks this weekend. So I probably played. Only doing monastery missions and just like getting a bunch of flowers and throwing flowers at people. No, no. I, I played a shit ton of auxiliary battles, like may, probably over 20 auxiliary battles. I still can only do two battles a, a week. So there's one, um, there's always one that doesn't cost a point and you can just keep doing those over and over. And yeah. That, on, on normal difficulty. If you play on a harder difficulty, they don't have uh, free battles. Oh, that's irritating. Yeah, so so I just try to grind, and so now all my characters are close to the same level, and I'm, some of them are just, they take one hit, and they're done. So if you get them in a group, it's like, what's the fucking point of having these characters? They're literally useless. Yeah, I recruited a ton of characters. I've got over 20 characters, so... So on the new game plus your professor rank stays the same. You get so well, you can spend your, you get like a, you get like a currency basically. And you can spend that on either your professor level or your support level with individual characters. So you can be like, Oh, I'm going to have these people on my team. I don't want to see their supports again. So I'm just going to do that first. Or you can dump it all on your professor level. So you could just be like doing a bunch of stuff from the get go. And it gives you like a huge leg up. 
having like nine activity points for your daytime and having three battles. Like you could do all the side quests if you want doing it that way. Right. I wonder how, how like your professor, you have to rebuild your professor character from the ground up and how does that impact recruiting or does it give you a leg up on just like going around and recruiting however the fuck you want? So interesting, interesting thing about, cause I do want to experience the other paths, but I can't put in 70, 80, hundred hours. God, there's so much game in this game. It's, it is absurd. It's great though. It keeps, it, it keeps hooking me. The story has been interesting. Turn after twist after turn, but fuck it. That's fire. And we'll talk about it again. Hopefully you beat it. It's going to be so hard to talk about at least. Well, no, cause we pick different paths. I was going to say, it's going to be hard to talk about and not spoil things because the paths are so different. I thought we picked the same path. No, I'm on the church path. You're on... Oh, you're also on the church path. We're both on the church path. I can go back and uh, I have that save. I'm not even like that far. I'm like halfway through a month past that. I did that at the hotel <laughs> the night before Nat's wedding. So gotcha. Okay. I misunderstood. Yeah. The reason I chose that path was because I knew there was four paths and I knew... I think I know what path Jordan did because he also chose the black Eagles and I wanted to be able to like finish the game on a different path from everybody else. And then like talk to, you know, everyone about what their storyline was because yeah. potentially I might just want to do that instead of actually playing through it again sure. on my own. It's because it takes so much goddamn time. And like, I don't know. I don't know how appealing it sounds to me to, you know, relive that game, but from a different perspective, like I'd rather just look back on the game and be like, yeah, that was my playthrough. And have like my cadre of, you know, companions. Sure. Cadre of companion crusade. Oh. As it were. Well, we'll we'll hopefully get to more Fire Emblem when we beat it in six or ten weeks. Uh, 2020, look forward to the Fire Emblem Three Houses review. (laughs) Just in time for the DLC. Right. Oh my God, there's more. Probably more recruitable characters and stuff too. I'm waiting for that Fire Emblem Awakening remake now. Give that to me. It's not coming, but I'd love it. Give it some time. Yeah. Okay, next on the list, buddy. It's all over the place. It's all over the place. Let's stick with the Switch, okay? Uh, Gamescom was sometime in the last three weeks. Last week? Yeah, it was all last week. Yeah. So we got some Death Stranding, which, again, I'm trying to remain sort of Kojima agnostic. Like, it weirded me out, and every time there's more and more stuff, I'm like, this thing's going to fucking suck, and it's weird, and it's way too... Much. It's way too much. Like everyone always is talking about it. Like it, I get it. It's this fucking event. Kojima's weird, and everyone loves it. It. it it's stop it. I, I'm done with Death Stranding. We don't have like any context with like his games, right? At all. I've never played a Metal Gear game. I've played a little bit of Baktai, The Sun Is in Your Hands, or whatever the right subtitle to that game is. The like, solar powered so. fucking Game Boy Advance game. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. What kind of game is that? It's like a. I, don't, I, would, I guess you could call it like an action RPG. I think it's got RPG elements, but hmm. it's like an isometric perspective. You play this guy who's like a vampire hunter, and that's how you charge your powers with the, sol- with, the, with the sun. So you actually like have like a meter that you're filling up, and then you use it on moves to like attack vampires and stuff. Interesting. Kojima's always, he's always been kind of a, a quirky guy. So Yeah, a little kooky. I thought it fit pretty well with the whole Nintendo Hey, check it out. Here's our special cartridge with our weird little gimmick. Right. So that fit kind of, that was kind of cool thing. Yeah. So I, that was the only thing I gleaned from that was you see Norman Reedus's dick, but no, you don't actually. Well, no, because he's peeing and making mushrooms. And if other people pee on the same mushroom, something cool happens. Oh, all right. I, I didn't even Duh, go that It's far. very obvious. You got to avoid the time fall. You got to get your, your BBs to, to detect the BTs. Dead man's going to tell you about the other side and, Mama gave birth on the other side, so now she's got a ghost fetus that she 
gropes her boobs because she's, you know, breastfeeding it. I don't know what the fuck you are saying to me right now. But also Hartman dies every 20 minutes because of reasons. Uh, Today I saw him tweet. He's like, this is a game. It's different than other games. You can go first person, but not first person shooter because this is a new genre. It's called the stranding genre. I'm like, dude. It's the first ever strand game, dude. Shut the fuck up. Social strand game. What? The birth of a new genre. It's dumb as fuck, dude. This thing's I gonna... saw a great picture that he posted. I think it was actually today or yesterday, but it was just a some promo art or something from um, The Sound of Music. And he's uh, he just captioned it like, this is some Death Stranding-ish. I know. I saw Like, what? What the fuck, man? What a funny fellow. Uh, Jeff Keighley uh, makes a, a cameo in the game. And then they announced, you know, or they said that they took scans of a lot of people. And then the picture of, uh, not Sakurai, but Miyamoto floating around visiting. I'm like, oh, is Miyamoto going to be a Death Stranding? <laughs> what was it Miyamoto? It was Sakurai. Oh, was You're it right. Sakurai? Yeah. And also Bring Me the Horizon. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Freaking Ollie Sykes. What the fuck, dude? It's pretty safe to assume that everybody that he's taken a photo of inside that weird hallway at his new studio is going to just be in the game. Yeah. It's bizarre. Or they're going to have music in the game. Like, the, yeah. That's whatever. That's Death Stranding. We'll we'll have we'll have uh, the 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 grand gamer, the Windows Defender, Andrew Chavez back on the yeah. back on the podcast when that game comes out and he can give us all the the scoops. We're gonna have to do it when I come back. Maybe we'll do it at the beach or something. When does this game come out? Like is it no, uh, November, November or something. Oh shit, okay. Beach is in October. Bummer. Well, I'll just get I'm just gonna get drunk and listen to him talk about it. I don't I'm not gonna play it. <laughs> I'll still be busy playing Luigi's Mansion, of course. Yes, if you finish Fire Emblem. I will. I got to finish it before Astral Chain. Oh, that's right around the corner. It's Friday. Fuck, dude. Reviews just dropped for that game. I And Control. They both are, like, really enticing to me. I haven't uh, I haven't seen much about it. I'm, I'm again, uh, kind of out of the loop there. Astral Chain? Yeah, on Astral Chain. Seems like a platinum-ass platinum game. Yeah. Very uh, anime fighting, juggle combos in the air, that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Heard a kind of combined combination of like Bayonetta and uh, Nier Automata. Oh, you like Nier? You played that? Yeah, I like Nier a lot. Yeah, okay. I I like what I played of Bayonetta, but I haven't played enough of it. And if I want to play a platinum game, that's what I would play first. Right. So so yeah, that was Death Stranding. That was game. That was really all that really interesting stuff that came out of Gamescom. We got like Microsoft and Nintendo fucking each other, and Ori's not exclusive anymore. It's coming to the Switch. I mean, it was hardly even exclusive in the first place. It was like one of the games that they, I think they published on, on Xbox, but it was also on Steam. Hmm. So it's like, I think Cuphead's also on Steam. So it's like their weird second and a half party. Yeah. You know, like they hardly have anything to do with it. They just sort of distributed it and made sure that they were okay. So it doesn't surprise me that it, it's coming to Switch. I don't think any of the other like people talking about like Rare Replay and stuff like that. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen because that's like first party studios. Can you imagine though, if they did a rare replay and Microsoft agreed to let their properties, you know, and then that is probably like the most likely one that would be on switch just because of the cross pollination and cross promotion with banjo being in smash. But also do you think maybe, or maybe we get a rare replay too, where we got that it was exclusive to switch and we got all the Nintendo properties and like we, dk64 and like diddy kong racing and yeah stuff. what if we actually get a, a proper like rare anthology i mean that's really the only well yeah i mean then also the super nintendo ones like donkey kong country but yeah i guess they could do something like that i'm not sure what the benefit of that would be versus like nintendo doing the word super nintendo stuff 
and sort of just eking out their their first party classic lineup and then occasionally some third party ones through like the NES online and the you know inevitable SNES online. Hey, we saw uh that's on my list to talk about patents for a first party Nintendo uh, Super Nintendo controller with the little Joy-Con charging rails on top. I thought it didn't have the charge rails. I thought you could see like the silhouette of the actual real shoulder buttons. And they only showed the back, so like the front is still kind of un... We don't know what the front is, if it's going to be able to like have the home button and the capture button to actually function more like a, a real controller. I imagine it's going to be exactly what the NES controller is, which doesn't have any of the extra stuff. It's just an NES controller with a rail. Um, my understanding is that it has a rail uh, based on the pictures I saw. So I'm going to pull up the patent and see if I can get a better look. It wasn't clear. And if they were to announce something like that, that would probably be... Honestly, I would guess that would be in the next like couple of weeks. Because there was also another big thing that leaked today of a Overwatch-themed Nintendo Switch case. Not so crazy. So probably going to be a big, a big September Direct like there was last year when they announced like Animal Crossing and all that kind of... All that kind of shit. How unhappy do you think they are that this this uh, this this freaking Overwatch case dropped? I mean, it was online for a minute. I don't know. I think Overwatch would have been cool in like the first year, but I don't know. It's it's, it's the current year, man. It's 2019. What? Well, I think Overwatch has their their community, and they would much rather play on the platforms they're already playing on. Like, it's gonna be cool to have it on Switch, but I don't know. Like, it would have been a really cool show of support from Activision Blizzard two years ago, but now it's just like, okay, cool. We got Diablo and Overwatch. Well, I think this is strategic because Diablo did pretty well on the Switch and sort of breathed new life into that game, which has been around for fucking ever. Yeah, but Diablo isn't a competitive game. No. Like, is this going to have cross-play? Well, that's the thing. Is it going to have cross-play? But either way, they're going to sell copies and people are going to play this game again. This is probably more of a strategic move on, on Activision's part because it would not have taken that much to port this game. If they wanted to port this game over three years ago, I think this is more strategic and that they're banking on people picking this up because the Switch is doing so well that people are the idea of being able to like hook up to their phones and hotspot together and play, you know, local multiplayer, whatever. I think they think is probably ex really exciting. So I just think it's hard to introduce a, a new game that's already established on other platforms. And the people that are still playing Overwatch are much more competitive than like the day one adopters are of like any sort of competitive game. So it's just weird thinking about getting a, a port like this late in its life. You know, like they're still, they still are, you know, trying to promote Overwatch League and they just uh, changed up the the matchmaking so that there's actually like a role queue to it. So you have to choose if you're playing support or DPS or, or tank. So they're still like, you know, actively engaged with the competitive kind of aspect of it. But I don't know. It'd be interesting. I'm not going to get it. I mean, I bought it on PC the day it came out, and I played it, I think, once or twice, and was like, you know, I'm, I just don't really like online-only shooters, and maybe I might be able to get dragged into it sometime, but it hasn't happened yet, so I don't know why I would think about getting it on a Switch. I, again, it's one of those games where I could see myself more inclined to buy it on the Switch, just because everyone I know has a Switch. Andrew was the only one I played with when I played Overwatch for like two weeks, and Max occasionally... And I, I was I kind of left before it kind of became what over. it was. Yeah, and so I just I was like, okay, like all my friends who play they they play on PC. So see, that's weird to me. I, I don't fuck with PC shooters, but but if like obviously different games, but like Fortnite's any indication like Overwatch, if it's gonna be to that level of quality, like yeah, maybe uh, it's not gonna do so hot. 
But again, two different beasts. Fortnite's not like a game that looks great when it's in 4K, so it doesn't matter if it's in a little bit lower resolution. It's not, it's not about the fucking how it looks. It's about how it plays. The mobile version of Fortnite is better than the Switch version, which is appalling. This is mobile phones are stronger than Switch. And also they have a much higher like uh, incentive to make the mobile ones work better because a huge number of their player base has a phone sure. and plays on the phone. Sure, I don't disagree. It's just the Switch version is the worst version, and that's a bummer. Although I think what their their peak their peak numbers was like fifty percent install rate. I don't know about like active users, but like at that point I think there was like twenty million switches, so ten million people just downloaded Fortnite because well because it's free on the homepage you see a free game of course you're gonna download it. Yeah, How many people cool. bought that one cent game over Christmas? Did you buy that one cent game over Christmas? I think you did. I did not buy it. I did not. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna waste. I'm not gonna waste space on my. On my SD card for that. I messed up though. I didn't get. I didn't get Astro Bear Party when that was free when they re-released that. I have no idea what repackaged that is. it. It's that we played it. Uh, me, Leaf, and Chris and Drew played it over at Leaf's place a few weeks ago. Mm. And it's like, imagine if you're playing competitive Tron, but you're on like a sphere. So everyone's on the same sphere, and you're leaving a little trail behind you, and then you're just this bear, and you're like running along, and you can boost, and you can jump, and you can hover. But you have like little gauges for like when you can boost and when you can, how long you can hover. Uh, different characters, different different stats. Very, very underrated little party game. A lot of fun. Okay. Establish some metas. Blast. <laughs> okay. Some of the bigger news from the last couple of weeks. Two two pretty big things and two less big things. One of the major things is Sony bought Insomniac. Finally. Yeah. After two decades, they sealed the deal. They had tried <laughs> to buy them. I think. Several years prior, and they tried to buy them probably throughout the years. They yeah. probably tried to buy them since the early to mid two thousands with Ratchet and Clank, and that's like when they bought Naughty Dog was 2000, 2001. So I'm wondering what went into this because at some point, I mean, Insomniac had to have been approached, like you said, multiple times over the years, and was the paycheck probably not just by Sony? Well, right, right. So, gosh, who is that? Um, uh, Ted Price, yeah, the CEO. Was the check just big enough or was this a, is there something more going on behind the scenes where it's like, or was Sony just like, holy shit, like Spider-Man 2 can end up on all these platforms and we don't want that because it's really going to drive the PS5, which we'll, we'll talk about shortly here. I think personally, I think it's a combination of a lot of different factors. I think at this point, Insomniac, after releasing their biggest game ever, they are now worth the most. This is the highest point of value that that company has ever reached right. in its history. And I think they know that. And I think that Sony has probably thrown numbers out. And this has probably been, hey, this is the biggest number they've ever been offered. And I also believe they've uh, sort of had their fill with trying to be an independent studio and still make the size and scope of games that they want to make in correlation and like in respect to the games market in general. And it's just a lot more expensive to make games than it was 20 years ago when you could crank out a, a triple a, you know, 3d platformer with like 40, 50 people. And now they've got to have to have like 150 people working on either one or two projects. I don't think they're a one project studio. They're still making like weird VR games. So I think they've been like, it's hard to stay afloat, like not too hard because they obviously they make a ton of money with like stuff like Spider-Man. But if they have an owner, then it just takes a lot of the stress out of looking for your next gig, you know, like, it's like working freelance versus working a real job. Yeah. Real quote unquote job. And also, I don't know. They probably saw what other people were offering them and was like, we have this good working relationship with Sony and 
we've seen nothing but success on that platform, basically. So it was just time. Makes a lot of sense, especially going to a new generation and like they probably have PS5 dev kits and they're just like really stoked on that hardware. So who knows like what the contract deal is, but I bet they made a ton of money on this. What does this mean for, I mean, obviously we're getting Spider-Man 2. There's no question about that. And again, PS5 dev, dev kits are out in the wild, have been for some time by all accounts. We we just got a, a peek at it, what may be a dev kit. We'll talk about that. But yeah, dev kits always look really weird, though. Oh, yeah. So it yeah, doesn't not, really mean anything. It's just like, wow, look at this thing that looks like a dumb router from 2006. I, I wonder what the PS4 dev kit looked like and, and or if we ever knew what that looked like, just for comparison's sake. Oh, the PS4 dev kit was a heinous black box with this platinum grill with a PlayStation logo over it. Yeah. You ever so, see that? I think it's the PS2 or PS3 dev kit. It just looked like a, a Dell computer tower. <laughs> well, that's how, I mean, it's what they used to literally just ship out of those shitty, you know, consumer PCs. The, the PS3 fucking dev kit looks like a shitty Blu-ray player. Hey, you know what the PS3 is? Hey! Oh. Hey, what are you saying? So we're getting Spider-Man 2. That much is obvious. Hopefully it's yeah. closer to the beginning of, of PS5 than, than later. Um, Sunset Overdrive is now... Uh, well, Sensor Overdrive, I think distribution is still Microsoft, but the s- sequel, and hopefully an yeah, inevitable the first, sequel. The first game has publishing and distributing rights to Microsoft, but the, the IP itself right. is owned by Insomniac, which is now owned by Sony, so by proxy, that's a Sony property. So hopefully, there's a I sequel. I mean, it's not like it's sold really well on Microsoft, so I don't know what the impetus is behind There are 12 it. million Xbox Ones in the wild. Like, of course, it didn't sell well on, on Microsoft. Yeah, so, like, why make it a Sunset Overdrive 2? Because you've got a hundred and some million consoles by the end of this thing's lifespan. That's not a good answer. Why make a Sunset Overdrive 2? Why not make literally anything else? Because Sunset Overdrive is a really well-received game. But it's not a Sony game from their perspective. Like, the first game, they can never do the first game, so it's like, why make a sequel to a game that by all accounts, your core audience doesn't care about. I mean, I guess I guess that's a good point. Their core audience doesn't care about it because they haven't had a chance to care about it, but it's it's not like Sunset Overdrive is a cult classic or something. Everyone knows what Sunset Overdrive is, and everyone who played it loved it. Eh, it came out on PC. I doubt it sold very well. Um, I wonder how it did do on PC. Not Spider-Man numbers. I feel like it's just a no-brainer to, like, here's something weird and quirky that's kind of a throwback to some old fun stuff it's nostalgic um and it, it's just different not there's nothing else like that uh and so i don't know maybe i'm biased because i played it in central overdrive sales numbers i'm just seeing microsoft uh numbers it was that back when they still reported on uh numbers or those like guest numbers or like super data or it sold like 1.16 million units on xbox it's not bad but for the budget of that game i doubt that was uh, really spectacular. It's a 10% attach rate, bro. <laughs> There's more than that. Xbox is in the Yeah, line. I know. I'm, I'm being a little facetious, but... Um, well, I, I certainly hope I hope there's that, but uh, uh, Ratchet and Clank? Are we, I mean, we're going to get a Ratchet and Clank game? We got one four years it's ago? It's possible. You know yeah. those? That was, a, that was a weird kind of revisiting of... It was like a, almost a remake, but it was based on the movie that was based on the first game. It was like a yeah. really strange, incestuous kind of multimedia experiment i guess but it was a really cool game it was a cheaper game i wouldn't be surprised if they try and keep doing some like smaller games and do like a a triple triple a indie kind of kind of thing like they did that game with gamestop publishing where it was that 2d metroidvania it was a song of the deep or something where you're in a boat or you're in a submarine 
Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to do more uh, projects similar to that or more VR games because PSVR I don't think is going to be going away. I think it's going to be just built, built into the PS5. Oh, that'd be as cool. As far as not having a breakout box, you just plug the headset in or maybe even they're playing around with the wireless technology that some Chinese companies have tried retrofitting onto the Vive and the Oculus. So, What about a new Spyro game? That seems like a small one-off thing they can that's do. A, it's an Activision-owned property. I don't know if that's likely for them to for a first-party Sony developer to work with Activision to get that licensing rights. Fair. I think if, if anyone's going to make a new Spyro game, it's going to be whoever developed. I think that was Twice for Bob that did the Spyro Reignited trilogy. Oh, right, right, right. And it was Vicarious Visions that did the Crash trilogy, and then Beanox did the Crash Team Racing remake. Oh, which... <sighs> Crash Team Racing sucks. We tried to play it. It just, it just is not good. I guess if you have nostalgia for it, fine. But I was like, all you had to do was literally copy Mario Kart beat for beat. Yeah, that's that's what you wanted, but I don't think that's what uh, Crash Team Racing people wanted. And also, why copy Mario Kart? Mario Kart is better at that than they would be. So it makes sense for them to like trying to find that different niche. I don't think they were trying to be that different. Well, yeah, you don't want to be that different. You kind of get the archetypes. You get like the things that work. Like, you know, you get your red shell variants, your green shell variants. And then you sort of play around with other things like the way you boost and the way the courses are set up and shortcuts and how that all is all accessed and just course design in general. Items aside, I just felt like the racing sucked. Like, I don't care what the courses look like. I don't care what the items look like. I don't care what the characters look like. The racing just felt like shit. I was like, this is the one thing you got to get right in a racing game. I think you just didn't learn the the boost system. Maybe, maybe I need to I need to go back. I spent forty goddamn dollars on it. So yeah, go back. Give it some give it some play time once you beat uh, Fire Emblem in twenty twenty three. Yeah, uh, what a waste of money! What a waste of money! <laughs> You've wasted money on other things in a much more egregious fashion. Yeah, I've got a garage full of wasted money right now. The scuttlebutt, Nick, is that Sony has a couple of other acquisitions to announce this year before the end of the year. Seems likely. I think they got kind of scared into trying to make some deals after Microsoft went on their crazy tear, acquiring yeah. like 10 studios and not like little studios, but not like very big studios either. But I think I think Sony just wants to beef up their first party lineup because it takes a long time to make video games these days. Right. And if you don't have a very constant output, like what first party thing of note have they put out this year? But it, I mean, it's a down year going into a new generation. Yeah. I mean, they don't need to. It's right. just... I don't. I think they look at this year and years like even 2014 and to an extent 2015 is like, hey, we need to be able to put out at least like two big years and have something to talk about and have something to be like marketing as the next big thing pretty consistently from the get go because beginning of PS4 was rough and they really le- like leaned pretty hard on the fact that Microsoft botched their announce and at a hundred dollar difference between consoles that really gave Sony the lead. But I don't think that's going to be the case next generation no but they have such a big lead and i don't think microsoft is is even capable of doing enough to win people back i think they're gonna bring or they're gonna keep their user base and i think if they can if they can get some really interesting first party you know exclusive games like i think you might split like oh now there's reason to own both a playstation and an xbox but i don't think if you're a ps4 guy you are gonna switch back to microsoft i think you're right just for the the sake of backwards compatibility being such a huge talking point yeah for these next next gen yeah so people who have the they don't want to ditch their library like you saw that a little bit with ps3 and ps4 as far as people being invested in the ecosystem with like achievements i guess but beyond that microsoft 
if they had kept their backwards compatibility sort of messaging, because they kind of had a little bit of that between 360 and Xbox, like the OG, but that was kind of like haphazard. But if they had had that from the beginning of the Xbox One and didn't, you know, pack in the Kinect and launch at $400 like the PS4, I think it would have been a much different story, even with the discrepancy between first party releases, because PS4 didn't have anything worth playing from that was exclusive until like 2015. Yeah, it was, it was about a year before. What are you going to play it at a bad infamous? gonna play fucking what was that i don't 1833 game the order sucked yeah the order the infamous was awesome i don't understand people i think the the main problem is that just the main character was a little stale but you're not playing that game for the main fucking character you're playing that game because you're a fucking superhero the mechanic the gameplay was was super on point the graphics were awesome and the pacing of the game was great like even the character was People thought he was kind of a, a smarmy fuck, and yeah, he was. And if that didn't resonate with you, fine. But like, it's not like you that have was to the sit Halo there Five of the Infamous series. I mean, I played the other Infamous games, man. I think Second Son is probably my favorite, and it had nothing to do with the story. It was strictly just like how fucking great it felt. It never got boring. Sort of all the new powers you learn and and traversing that city. Maybe you're right. I watched that game, and it was not very entertaining. <laughs> so yeah. I never really had the the interest in. Even trying to play it, yeah, it was it was well received. It was ba- it was basically just this character is whatever because the last guy was really well received. So, and so whatever, I, I get that aspect of it, but uh, I I wish we got a Infamous Four or whatever it would be. Which game is better, Infamous Second Son or Sunset Overdrive? Sunset Overdrive. Strictly speaking, like on the mechanics, like they're different, but they're the same, but they're different. I was just comparing them because I think they're similar sort of tier levels of like interest and also the style of game that it is it's sort of like a casual kind of fun version of like the exclusives that those companies had i guess yeah i, w- I wouldn't actually mind going back to to infamous i mean it's no knack but oh, infamous God. is sort of like a lower tier come on on the the sony totem pole come on now no i think uh i think i like the just the, the idea of being a superhero like a lot more but Sunset Overdrive was the better experience because of like the atmosphere and you know the over the top arcadey nature of it, like more memorable that way than just like a bleak open world game where also you have superpowers, which is cool. Honestly, but I think Insomniac could have made a really really amazing Crackdown game. I never played Crackdown. Kind of a cult classic. The first one, people didn't like the second one, and the third one was a huge mistake. But it was kind of like in the the early days of open world. And it was just you being basically a superhero. Like you're collecting all these orbs that boost your speed and your jumping ability and you just blow shit up. Oh. It was very video gamey video game. Yeah. Well, as far as what Sony's doing, I think if they just they just carry on, they're getting a couple acquisitions, right? A couple more exclusive games, but they just launch the PS5 at a reasonable price, backwards compatibility, and just no glaring holes like like a online issue of some kind like they're gonna just keep rolling yeah with their it's success. their game to lose and it's microsoft's yeah. game to like introduce new and cool consumer friendly features and basically bully sony into following suit like you've basically seen that with cross play and cross progression yeah this last like two years and that's only going to be beneficial to us as like people who buy even even if you only buy sony games like yeah. as long as microsoft is like pushing the envelope then that helps us too it would be shocking if sony didn't learn from their mistakes right their hubris 
really cost them. Of course, the 360 and PS3 ended essentially equivalent on the same terms. Except Worldwide, but I think I think Sony never caught up no, in, in North America. No, th- there was definitely a disparity there and in the, the zeitgeist, right? Pop culture and how once upon a time, you know, moms always thought, what were, what are you doing on the Nintendo? Mom is a PlayStation 2. You know, it's like Xbox was sort of the de facto, you know, culture that it, that's what it became. But they did make up ground and they also came out of it with a several top-notch franchises that has helped them really see some unprecedented success with the PS4. Especially coming off of PS2 and Xbox, like original Xbox. Right. How the original Xbox sold, I think, like 15 million worldwide and 10 times that for the PlayStation 2. Right. And coming back to being like a 50-50 split, that was like a huge win for Microsoft. Oh, yeah. So hopefully Sony, you know, they, they have been following suit. Like you said, they have been reluctantly making changes but it's also it's smarter to be the one just copying what works from the competition and, and they don't have to be innovative because they're winning. Right, exactly. So they get the they get the 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 opportunity and the it's just easier for them to be like that works. We'll do that too as opposed to Microsoft who's like scrounging around trying to figure out something that'll make them more interesting and uh, appealing in the public eye. I can't think of anything that provided there are no big mishaps on either party's part. And they just keep going on this trajectory of iterative hardware and exclusive games. And it just really is Sony versus Microsoft. I can't see anything that Microsoft could do to really overtake Sony again. Like, unless they were like Nintendo games on Microsoft or our next gen console is a Switch, but also is only $300 and comes with a VR headset. Like, something insane that can never happen, right? Like, Hey, check all these boxes and not charge a fuck ton for it. Like, I just don't think like, what could they do that are going to draw people back? Yeah. I don't think it's in their best interest to be really expansive as far as like having a wide variety of hardware options. I think Nintendo can get away with that. And I think Sony has sort of dipped their toe into that with like the PS4, PS4 pro. The weird thing with the Xbox Scarlet is sort of the messaging around Xbox one X and if they're going to keep selling that in conjunction, like, cause that's still a $500 MSRP device. And I would imagine that Sony and Microsoft are going to be putting out $500 boxes next uh, holiday. So I wonder if they're just going to like sell through their stock and be like, Hey, you can't get that anymore. And you can still get the Xbox one S as like your entry level. Cause they've sort of talked about how like Halo is an Xbox one game, but it's also a Scarlet game. So that's just sort of like a weird sort of, iPhone situation where you can get like the new apps on the old phones, but they're better on the new phones. So it's, I don't know how they're going to be able to message that, but yeah, I think Microsoft's going to be pushing like services. I don't know how appealing that is, but I think they're excited about it. So they're just going to do that on principle, basically doing their version of remote play that Sony does where you can use your console to beam it to your phone or to your Vita, but you know, not your Vita with the Xbox, but to your phone better technology they got better servers and yeah i don't know I, the only thing i can think of that would make them a more appealing um as far as like hardware and like moving on to the next generation is if they're just cheaper and i don't know if they are able to move their the only thing that they could do is if they moved their hardware infrastructure to a different place from china and if the trade war keeps going on and these tariffs actually go into effect that could really screw sony and they would have to push that price increase over to consumers 
And that's how you end up with a 599 US dollar PlayStation 5. And if Microsoft can eat that cost and be like, nah, dude, we're still doing 499, that's how you get that first initial injection and that can really help microsoft in the later years as more and more people switch back over again i don't uh i don't i don't see microsoft gaining ground i don't see myself buying another xbox or another microsoft console to be honest ever. i mean you've already bought like two in the past like few years yeah you're pretty dumb with your money you can't just like unilaterally say i don't think i'm gonna do it <laughs> well one of them was a gift and one of them was like so cheap it was practically free yeah that's so, fair. Last thing we're going to chat about here, GameStop layoffs, including half of their Game Informer staff. Was that actually the uh, updated number? Last I saw was like seven Game Informer staff, of the editorial team at least. Game Informer, I've, I don't know if I followed them, if I've seen any, I don't know, maybe I have just by osmosis seen X, Y, or Z from, from that branch, but I don't. Yeah, I liked their, um, they did video features when they had like the, cover exclusives they would do really cool oh, video features where they're okay. like interviewing i really like the one uh last year where they're interviewing brian intahar uh of spider-man fame and yeah. there's like 100 questions for brian intahar about spider-man and it was just like a really cool well put together easily digestible entertaining informative kind of you know video piece so i really sure. liked when they did that and they did that with like god of war i think and just like that was just a really cool feature series that they did I'm on their website right now. I honestly don't know if I've ever... I had a year of their magazine back in 2002. That sounds because right. Because I believe it came with the GameCube that my mother purchased me for Christmas of 2001. Fuck yeah, dude. So that was that was my own, that was the only time I'd ever had like a video game magazine, aside from the occasional Nintendo Power that we would just sort of pick up, I think, or, or not pick them out or something. But yeah, that was really cool. That was like my first sort of foray into finding out ahead of time what things were happening and getting that, you know, a really, really iconic covers for me in my youth and just seeing, like I can picture in my head, the final fantasy 10 cover of game informer or the ratchet and clank cover. That was awesome. You know, stuff like that, man, the, the video game ephemera, Nick, let me tell you, I don't know if that counts as ephemera. I think ephemera is more like, just the ads that were in those magazines. Oh, fair. Like okay. Pamph- pamphlets and demo discs and that kind of weird odds and ends. Kitschy, kitschy odd- odds and ends. This is more just like, yeah, video game magazines are really, really weird and a historical aspect, I guess. Like, yeah. I don't know. It was before the internet, man. Well, before the internet, it was like really, really ubiquitous. Yeah. Video game magazines have this strangely nostalgic place in my mind where like I didn't have a subscription to a video game magazine. I I had popular science and I had the Lego magazine and I had mad magazine, but I never had a video game magazine subscription. But for some reason, it's this very like visceral experience for me when I read through an old manual or a guide or a magazine, you see all these things that I guess, you know, I used to go to the library and read through manuals and magazines Did and stuff. Did you ever uh, check out Borders for either player's guides or video game magazines and just sort of chill out in that that front little section to the left while, you know, your mom went to the back to get coffee or she went and look at, looked at a book or something you're just hanging out in the magazine section? Yeah. Looking at um, Game Informer or EGM or what have you? Um, the most I had in that regard was going and, and swiping the demo discs out of the back of magazines. Um, and trying to fit them in my jeans because 
It's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I didn't have um, I didn't have well money, <laughs> but we didn't get a lot of games as a kid. We got one or two games a year. So at some point, like fuck, well, I, we didn't rent a game this week. What are we gonna do? Well, you got a demo disc. Yeah, you stopped at stopped at Borders in Gresham Station, but you didn't go to the Blockbuster, so you're just SOL. Well, yeah, well, seriously, getting my mom to take us to rent a game. I mean, even up until fucking like. My sophomore year of high school, we were still renting shit at Hollywood Video. And I had this gr- fucking great memory of Max and I. You mean the game crazy inside of Hollywood Video? At that Fred Meyer? <laughs> there was the game crazy there, but we would rent games not from them. The only time I ever rented a game from them was the Game Boy game. Fire Emblem. We've talked about this. But yeah, I remember I, Max and I like begging my mom. Like, we're 15 years old, dude. We're fucking... You know, I had, I had hair on my balls. Okay. I had a girlfriend, Nick. Like, I was to be taken seriously. And we were begging my mommy to drive us over to Hollywood Video so that we can rent Super Smash Bros. Brawl and come back and play video games all weekend. Lo and behold, she finally acquiesced. But it was like, a, it was like, come on, I'm a, we're 15-year-old kids. Take us to the goddamn store and let us fucking do something. Like, we could be doing drugs. We could be sleeping around. Like, we could be drinking. We could be fighting people. But no, we just want to hang out at your house and play fucking video games, Mom. Be grateful. Mom, I'm about to turn 16. This is the least you can do for me. This is my super sweet 16 request. Right? I'm trying to remember my 16th birthday. Super sweet 16. Well, Smash Brothers uh, Brawl had just come out like a couple months before. Because I think that was February of 2008. You are born in 92. So you would have been turning 16 in May. Yeah, May. Uh, 16. What was I doing? I No, I, I think maybe I do remember it. I was I had a, my, my, my first serious girlfriend. And I think she was over at Cake. I remember my 17th birthday. We went to Chang's Mongolian Grill and we mobbed over Fred Meyer. Remember that? That was my 17th, right? We've been to Chang's so many times. Oh my I, goodness. I can't I can't differentiate. I don't know. We did it every year for a while. Free free uh, lunch on your birthday over at Chang's Mongolian Grill. I thought they only got free ice cream. Nah, free fucking meal, bro. Probably still have to pay the, the what's it called? The, the gratuity. gratuity. <laughs> Dude, that was like gratuity is such a shock when you're like a broke fucking kid and you're like, I got eight bucks to <laughs> how, go eat. How many of us are here? What time is it? Yeah, wait, we have nine of us? Fuck, guys. You, you guys have an extra dollar each? Like, no. Let's get different tables. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Yeah, I don't want to go anymore to this GameStop thing, really. Um, there was a statement they released. Uh, uh, they have the GameStop reboot initiative, which is fucking stupid. Yeah, they're they're bleeding like crazy. It's it's wild that they've survived this long. I mean, I think they just uh, axed Tech Geek, Think Geek, whatever last year. Yeah, it's whatever. Yeah, it's it, they're a mess. It sucks for half the staff over at Game Informer to get laid off. How many? Okay, I saw a number of how many stores they have in the U.S. GameStop, and it's like it's like way too many. It's like it's like five thousand. GameStop is uh, one of those businesses that you know the 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 I don't know I guess the blockbuster. Of video games where Blockbuster had a chance to, you know, acquire Netflix and they didn't. And then they had, I think, either a chance to acquire like Redbox, something with Redbox and they they, they didn't. And then they got into the whole rental box game way too late and Redbox took over and it was just like GameStop. There are all these ideas of how GameStop could continue and, and persist and remain profitable in an era where those stores do, are not necessary uh, or, or, or even consumer friendly in the sense that things are cheaper online. It's easier access and GameStop suck. The atmosphere sucks. The employees suck. 
GameStop is a fucking, just a fucking racket. It's always just, my experience is just, it's always a chore yeah. to even be inside of a GameStop. Yeah. I can't speak to bad experiences with employees or anything. It's always just like, you know, whatever shitty small talk that you make with employees that are just trying to be nice and just fine. But like you go in there and I'm like, oh, well, they don't have the game I'm looking for. The prices are too much. I'm going to buy it at full price. I might as well buy it digitally or I'll rather buy it at Walmart where it's 10 bucks off or on Amazon where I get it to ship to my house or Best Buy where I still have my, my GCU right. for a little bit longer. Shouts out. Shouts out. And yeah, they there's no way they can sustain that many stores. Redbox, they don't really have a lot of overhead with their kiosks. They have like maintenance, but they don't need to like have employees manning the till, you know, 15 hours a day or however long GameStop is open. And the difference between like Blockbuster being killed by Netflix is that GameStop can't buy Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo because that's who's killing them. It's digital sales. It's so many people are buying digitally or they can't buy Amazon. They can't buy Walmart. They're being killed by larger companies than they are, which is like they're just a a, a niche sort of store that got really, really big because video games were really big. And that was one of the only ways that you could like reliably get what you're looking for. 10, 15, 20 years ago. Right. Because that was when GameStop was like, it was a bunch of different stores because they ended up buying them all up. They bought Electronics Boutique, EB Games, you know, Babbage's, all that kind of stuff. So they're just a, they're a sign of the past. They're history. Circle of life, man. They came in, they they put all these mom and pop shops out of business. They ate up all the, you know, these uh, smaller competitors and now uh, Circle of Life, it's happening again. I just wonder if they're going to sell Game Informer or if they're just going to kill it. It's, they're it's gonna, gonna sell die. that brand, and because it has brand recognition, so it has value based on that. So they could potentially sell it to like a Ziff Davis or a, you know, CBS ended up buying GameStop and I don't know GameSpot. Yeah, I always get that name mixed up. What a what a bad combination of letters. Almost as if it was intentional, right? But anyway, that's all we're talking about. It's nine million fucking degrees in my room right now, and I feel like shit. I just want to leave this room. So, um, oh, poor fella. Yeah, we are going. My AC's been off. It's miserable in here. Concert Crusade. Where can they find us, Nicholas? ConcertCrusade.com. That's where we post all our crap. And also just go to any podcast app, basically. Email us at feedback at ConcertCrusade.com. We'll, we'll read your, your shit on the air. We'll give your hot takes and our hot takes and combine them into one take. And that's just our podcast at that point. <laughs> there you we follow go. follow me at Presh Till Death. You can follow EJ at EJiggle. There we go. You can follow our, our podcast Twitter at console underscore crusade, but... We never post on that because we don't have followers and we can't. It's, you know, it's a catch-22. What are you going to do? Also on Facebook. But I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't worry about that kind of stuff. Follow us. It's just the two of us. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Okay. <laughs> That's it. That's all she wrote. That was absolutely terrible. Give me a fucking countdown.